Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Ah, it's so scary. <laughs> Your mother ate my dog. Ah. I need some of it. <laughs> Bloody lol. Oh, you join us this week. Um, we're all slightly brain-dead ourselves, but um, it's in, in keeping with this week's podcast where we discuss the film Brain Dead or Dead Alive or uh, Dead Slash Alive. Was that it? the other way of putting it, Anthony? Or That was just me being facetious, but yes, Dead Slash Alive. Yeah, well, that's Anthony anyway. Hello. And uh, also here, who's, and she's the most brain dead because, oh, my brain is all rotten and poorly and I feel ill. Uh, Abby's here, barely, aren't you, Abby? I have a headache, and fuck you. Mm. Hello. That's the most alert you've sounded all day. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm Richard, and I make up the last of this week's chat group. <laughs> Jamie's not here, is what I'm trying to say. Um, so yes, this week we are dealing with a... You know, it's it's slightly ambiguous. It's got two names. I go for Brain Dead because it sounds like a good film title, even though it's not got a gap. It should be a space, in my opinion, because it's not one word, is it? Brain Dead. That's not a word, or is it? No, technically not. Yeah. So, tech. You know, if you want to be a grammar Nazi, you might want to go with Alive, Dead, but then that's a comedy paradox. I don't. I don't love either title. <laughs> <laughs> but for clarity's sake, Anthony, you should give us the details so we can figure out what film are they doing again. Okay. Well, there is the the name change came because there is another film released like a year or two before this called Brain Dead uh, about a horrific uh, brain surgeon. I'm not quite sure. I haven't seen it. But anyway, this is Brain Dead, as also known as Dead Alive, mainly in North America. Um. It was released in 1992 and is a New Zealand, I think it's safe to say this is an all-out slapstick comedy, uh, (laughs) which incorporates elements of um, like a period romance, melodrama, zombies, and by far the most gore you will ever see in one movie, no doubt. Uh, The film centres on Lionel, uh, who is a shy, reserved man that lives with his domineering mother, Vera in 1950s New Zealand, and uh, Vera's attempts to interfere with Lionel's blossoming relationship with Spanish shopkeeper Paquita uh, ends with her being bitten by a rabid exotic monkey, which starts to give her zombie-like symptoms. Uh, Soon more people start getting infected, and Lionel struggles to keep the situation under control, resulting in the film's hilariously bloody climax. Uh, It was directed by Peter Jackson, who would go on to take a lot of the crew from this film uh, and make the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And the the, the Itinferious follow-ups, the Hobbit films. Yes, I politely didn't mention that, but never mind. (laughs) Uh, And the film stars um, Timothy Baum, Diana Pinalava, Elizabeth Moody, Ian Watkin, Brenda Kendall, Stuart Devaney, and Jed Brophy. Um, it is uh, one of those genre mess-up movies, because it, it, I, I didn't realise it was going to be a melodrama of sorts, like a comedy melodrama, but then it's also, you know, it's very much a 
uh, vile comedy horror <laughs> fest. You know, so it's a real blend of humour and uh, disgustingness and uh, love. I didn't expect the love in there. But I hadn't seen this before. I think you, Anthony, had mentioned this. <clears throat> I think you, Anthony, had... You've never seen this before? No, you've mentioned oh it a million times, mm. probably, uh, over the course of me knowing you, I guess. And it came up and it came up, and I'm just... I know my taste. I, You know, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not going to like it. It sounds awful. <laughs> just horrible <laughs> and disgusting. And I'm not the biggest fan of zombie movies, right? So I like Romero, some of his early nice zombie mm. work. I think it's good. I kind of like a, zo- a slow zombie. I don't mind if it's, you know, slow moving. It can still be either fun or entertaining or dramatic. I don't mind zombie films per se, but the, I mean, I don't go out my way for them very often. Um, I just find them semi... Mm-hmm. They do tend to be the same film over and over again. Yeah, and I'm not a fan of gore because it's yucky and disgusting. So I was like, no, thank you. Every time this film comes up, until now, I've been like, ah, no, though. And it does, it, the things you guys quote from it and have said about it, it does sound funny. And I, I'm a fan of a comedy priest. And I there is a very funny comedy priest in this. And that was the close. I was like, oh, well, maybe. But you forced my hand at last. And I watched <laughs> it for this. And uh, we'll find out if I was wrong to put it off for all that time, or completely right. We'll see. <laughs> Bit of suspense. Um, but uh, Abby, had you seen this before? I had, but apparently I did not remember it as well as I thought I did. Which is odd, because once you've seen it, I think there's so many things burnt into your mind. You really should. <laughs> there's things in this I wish I could forget, but I've seen. And uh, there's lots of iconic moments in it, so I'm surprised you forgot it as much as you uh, say. I think it's more, I didn't remember how stuff joined up. So I mm. did remember some big set pieces, but then the in-between bits, I was like, what? What's that? Who's this guy? What? Hmm? Yeah. Well, after a while, you just remember the colour blood and people mugging to camera, so, <laughs> you know. Um. So you, this was like, Something you had seen, but you'd come back to having forgotten it mostly. Is that? Did you have yeah. any sort of positive memories when you watched it the first time? I'm not sure if positive would be the right word so much as just it was memorable. I could remember stuff about it, but I couldn't remember. But I wouldn't necessarily say that I liked it. But I didn't hate it. Well, I've definitely, time. I definitely recall in college people. Saying like I kick ass for the Lord occasionally, yeah. I'd be going like, "What's that from?" And then be like, "Oh, that thing, right?" <laughs> and then being disinterested again. <laughs> uh, but Anthony, you brought this to the table. I presume you've seen it a few times and have good reason, have. and have good reason for uh, bringing it to us this time. What was your, what was your thinking? Well, I wanted to revisit my ongoing uh, journeys to New Zealand. Um, you'd thought it all had been capped off with the trilogy, but no, I've added one more. Um, but you're not referring to like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You mean your our own tr- trilogy of films we've yes. checked out from New Zealand? For all the spans of uh, spans, for all the fans of Spoilerfield out there, I'm sure they will know our back catalogue by now. And we touched on 
some New Zealand films before. Uh, we've done a... Um, what we have we done? Quiet, quiet Earth <laughs> we did a sci-fi. sci-fi. Yeah, we did a sci-fi in Quiet Earth, and then a drama with Once Were Warriors, and then we topped it off with comedy um, from uh, Hunt for the Wilderpeople. And uh, there was one more well, there's loads genre. Of, there's loads of other yeah, com- but, films that have been made by New Zealand. Of course, but there was one more major uh, genre I wanted to touch upon, and that was horror. Although, like I said before, this really is just a slapstick comedy all the way through. Um, but it does balance the line of um, disgusting gore horror as well. Ugh. And I think yeah. that's something that New Zealand does a lot. They're very good at the, the comedy horror genre. I think I've seen like uh, Black Sheep, which is a New Zealand horror comedy. Mm. Zombie sheep in that, I think. Or werewolf sheep, I can't remember now. What the reason for the sheep being malevolent and awful was. But, um, I mean, they're good at comedies across the board, New Zealand, I would say. And, uh, you know, they, they put out a nice little trickle of things across, you know, time. And we've we've always been interested in picking up. For some reason, you've you've had a need to come do something from every genre from New Zealand, <laughs> but slowly and and you know piecemeal. But um, I think that's I think that's uh, that's good though, right? We always check in with New Zealand, our little like cousins across the sea. They're kind of like Wales, aren't they? New Zealand, they're like the, the Wales of the Southern Hemisphere, I think. Mm. Mm. But yeah, we you know we like to try and keep. A mix of things on the podcast, and we've come up across Brain Dead this time. And I presume, you know, you love it and think it's hilarious, Anthony. I do. Um, it's one of those films that I taped on VHS many years ago, like because it was on like three in the morning, um, and then I watched it the next day, and my mind was just blown by how ridiculous the whole film was. It is like I'd never seen anything even remotely up to the ridiculousness of the gore in this film at that point. I probably haven't since. Like, I've seen it done with less wacky, um, where it's actually meant to be more frightening and horrific. Um, But it certainly left an impression on my young mind. Um, And I've just watched this many times through the years and just always enjoy it. And even this time, I'm I'm still noticing all the the tiny little details that just make the film great. Yeah, it's like um, a zany live action cartoon horror film, isn't it? It's like mm. I think where it's because do- obviously it's so cartoony at times. You could say, oh, that's not it's not going to scare anyone. And I think t- to to some extent later on, it, the saturation point of madness is more of a laugh than it is scary. Mm. But I think if you're young and impressionable and it's like you haven't... You know, young kids would easily be traumatised and have nightmares from it, you know? Mm. Yes, of course. Like, that never stopped Anthony. <laughs> no. But no. I think it falls it falls into the genre of horror because it is disgusting and there's a bit of uh, social drama, I guess, and tension between, uh, you know, our protagonist and his mum. So... It's definitely a horror film, even though it's so ridiculous, it stops being scary and starts just being... Or it's all, it starts very early with the tone. Like, so it doesn't ever pretend this is going to be a gripping thrill ride. 
it's just this is a comedy cartoon movie and we're going to go mad with special effects, basically. Mm. And you wouldn't really think that a kind of 1950s romance melodrama would mix well with like uh, an over-the-top, um, gory horror film. Um, but thinking about it, they do. Like, the two genres have... They contain the, like a lot of the same elements, if you think about it. Uh, they're both very over the top. They're both very heightened. Uh, they're usually more um, colourful, if you <laughs> if you take my meaning there. Um, so really, uh, and I think this film blends them both. They they both feed into each other very well. Yeah, I didn't uh, twig straight away that it was a it was the nineteen fifties. I think that you know. You can guess once you're in the shop interior, you see some cars and stuff. You go, hang on, is this fucking? Because it could just be a, a like, because uh, what's the name of our protagonist? Nigel, is it? Lionel. Lionel, right. So uh, Lionel uh, dresses in horrible sort of, um, not jumper, like a what is that? Like a gillet? I don't know. <laughs> Sleet tank top. Anyway, he's got like yeah. an old-fashioned horrible jumper. So you might just think, oh, he's a bit of a bit of a like geek or something. Um, but then you start to see, oh, no, it's, it's meant to be like kind of 1950s, and you get, that, the penny drops, and then it's not so much just it's an old house, it's it's set then. But that's not the, it's not a big focus, the 50s thing, it's just a no. technicality, it's almost like just a technical element. But then that works nicely for the interiors and stuff, before they're all smothered in blood and pus and <laughs> corpses, you know, it's got a nice look to it, this uh, the old house that is sort of the main setting. And it's, I guess it suits, like you say, the melodramatic I, notion of of the movie kind of fits in with, the, as you say, the exaggeratedness of it all. It, seems, it feels, it's a, it's an interesting stylistic decision, I think. And, uh, yeah, but there's no, you're not going to get away with the suggesting, oh, look, it's the 50s and everything's initially normal. It's not normal. I think we open with like a kind of Indiana Jones style uh, almost exorcist-like discovery. Like, oh, we found... Like, there's a bunch of... Where is it? Like, why do I actually... It's just some generic faraway place, is it? That there's a man, an adventurer, an explorer? It may have been referred to as Skull Island, which is the island that King Kong lives on. All right, so on Skull Island, when he's not... King Kong and the dinosaurs all fight each other, there's also monkey rats that give you the... Zombie plague, of course. That's the Oops. yeah. If they're going to be anywhere, <laughs> Skull Island, right? So yeah, but we get this. Um, it's almost like fucking Beano characters. The way that they they present, uh, the way that these characters talk and, and react is very, very, very clearly exaggerated. And it's, you know, all their facial reactions are dialed up, and they're behaving in a mad. Manner, and we like. I think it's like just some white bloke with some, uh, like black. Uh, what are the, what are they? Are they Sherpas? They're not Sherpas, are they? I don't know. Just he- local helpers or something. They're escorting a, a box anyway with this monkey rat that they've caught, and or mysterious. At the start, it's mysterious what's in it, I guess. And then some tribesmen come and try and stop them because they'll, I don't know, curse or something, isn't it? Mm. And then he fires a machine gun above them, and they like to scare them off. And then he, and then this uh, white New Zealand bloke who's working for the zoo, 
kind of takes it upon himself to just lug the package into his car and get away and it's very like silly and exaggerated and uh, it's just to tee us up to the tone of the film I think isn't it what do you guys make of this slightly odd origin story of this rat monkey thing it uh, it does stand slightly alone from the rest but it uh, but like you said it certainly sets up pretty much everything that you really need to know it's got the kind of the the suspense kind of uh, horror bit where they're being like chased and and then later on you do like have uh, the bit where they like chopping off various of his limbs because he's they're finding bites all over him um, and then it, you know it's also just funny uh, yeah. you know I think there's a joke in there about they've got a permit and well the natives don't care because it's just a piece of paper uh, but then but then the comedy really comes from the over-the-top and sudden gore that happens. Yeah, because essentially they are, they lump the package in the back of a car and drive off to get away from these tribesmen and stuff. And yeah, like the in the kerfuffle, the rat thing has bitten the New Zealand guy. And then the locals basically think, oh shit, he's been bit. They, they chop his arms off. And they try and stop the you know poison or whatever it is spreading, but they end up just macheting him to death. I guess they just send the package on to the zoo anyway. Was that the idea? Yes, it does end up in the New Zealand zoo at some point. Yeah, so they're playing with a classic trope of like horror films as well, where you man should leave alone certain things. I guess a species in this case, or it's often artifacts or subcurse or whatever happens. And the film is presenting it as being a virus from this monkey rat, but also possibly some kind of tarot card. Uh, you know, like a curse because they they have the tarot cards later on to reveal a love curse thing. So it's it's sort mm. of playing with the tropes of how horror films and things like this start, isn't it? Having some yeah. fun and it's quite a you know silly opener that shows you some gore to get you going. Oh, I see, it's silly and it's gory, but you know we're still learning what's going to happen next because we don't quite know where it's going at this point. I guess. Anyway, mm. there's also um, in zombie films, like uh, especially since like Romero got his hands on the idea, there's a sense of uh, like like zombies being a s- symbolic or metaphorical substitute for something else, mm. and I think it's there. I can't quite put my finger on it. I think there's um, two in the, with this film. It, it's suggestive mm. that there's a kind of Freudian aspect to it because mm. the, because the mother is the main uh, person in in this film to get, well, she's the first one to be bitten by this rat in New Zealand, and it, she's a pain in his ass. And there's a there's a little it's a little bit like um, a, the similarities to Psycho and uh, Norman's relationship with his mother or presumed relationship mm. so it's and it's got that old house vibe so the psych there's a bit of psycho in there and there's a bit of mm. like zombie metaphor but i think it's like the, the freudian thing about your mum is this hideous monster and, uh, literally and figuratively and, and it's about kind of just getting rid of your mum is to solve the problem there's that's that's potentially there like your mum's toxic and you need to get rid of her because he's such mm. a mummy's boy the main character so there's mm. that going on but I don't know in terms of broader symbolism what this what these zombies 
out of the people of New Zealand. I don't know. Has anyone else observed like a? Well, one of the problems with that is that they're fast and loose with the rules. Rules, yeah. Mm. So sometimes it's biting, sometimes it's bodily exchange, sometimes you just have to literally have been killed by one. Yeah, and what's weird is, so obviously, it's done for comedy, so that's the excuse for anything. Anything that doesn't make sense, well, it's funnier this way, is the idea. So mm. some of the jokes come from you, They just when people get the virus and become zombies, decapitating some of them doesn't work. Their bodies still come after you. Various parts of them can still come after you. They never really stop coming, unless they do, because it's funny. Um, so, but then it gets to the point where, like people, like I think someone's spine and lungs and intestines are, are the only thing left, and they're still sort of grotting, uh, Lionel and stuff. So, you know, how do you kill these zombies? Um, wh- whatever is funny is the way you kill them, I guess. Mm. So, and then you go, oh, it is a comedy. You can't, you know, it, so you can't go, oh, it doesn't make sense that there's a rat mm. monkey uh, that can give this disease by biting. And, but, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's so preposterous. It's funny, and most of the time you don't care, but it does mean that just sort of like, like you say, like, well, sometimes it means something else. But it's like, well, it can't mean something else if it doesn't make sense in and of itself. And it, I think it's more, there were just one or two of them it was funny when he was going through all of the zombies at the end of the lawnmower, but did we actually need that many zombies? No. Probably. No. <laughs> if to build, build to a crescendo. There's a lot to unpack at the end. I think the very climax, the final boss almost of the film, is uh, underlining the fact that mothers are, or the mother is the worst thing ever. It's It's got a lot of you know, Freudian imagery is quite surreal and disgusting, and there's like, you know, it's a big titted monster that kind of opens up his womb and tries to re swallow him. And that's mm-hmm. literal, not metaphorical. Uh, but, you know, it's definitely a piece about controlling mothers. But it's mm. mostly just let's have a laugh with as many yeah. zombie gag kills and fight ideas we can. Do as many. And what's nice, I think the main thing this film is going for it is. It's all about achieving things with practical effects. It's animation sometimes with that silly rat monkey, which looks a bit hokey, but it's kind of sweet in its own disgusting way. But mm-hmm. mostly, you know, stunts and props, and it's like so imaginative, isn't it? It's when it gets going, it's like they're trying to think of everything they could, and any mad thing a kid would want to see happen to some sort of zombie, they do kind of so. But that's to come. There's a lot of build-up, really. It doesn't spend its load too soon. It builds slowly to a uh, gory conclusion. So back at the melodramatic, romantic bit, I suppose. The rat is at, at the zoo, right? That happens. Mm-hmm. It gets received. But we then get introduced to our protagonist, Lionel, and his situation. Does anyone want to describe Lionel and his life? Uh, what's the word? Is milk toast the right word? Milk toast. I don't know. I've not. I've not used that expression before. Just schnook, is what I'd say. I've not had call to use that word in so long. It's become. (laughs) Well, either way, you know, he's um, he's he's a shy. He comes off quite nerdy, like you said at first. But that's that's more probably more to do with the period. Uh, he's a bit goofy. Um, the first time we see him, he's he he's uh, reacting with Paquita, the Spanish shopkeeper, who uh, will become his love interest soon. 
Um, and he's just generally, you know, clumsy. He's like dropping things um, everywhere. He's an awkward mummy's boy, and he mm. uh, is probably a bit of a dork. Uh, but you know, it's probably the. I think the idea is he's been, you know, such a servant to his mother and what doing what she wants under her thumb so much. He hasn't. Mm. He, he's not independent enough, and that that's part of his struggle early on. Early on is cutting the apron strings and all this and uh, doing what he wants, which is to be with his love interest and at least date her and see her rather than, you know, do fucking sort out shit for his ageing mother, you know? Mm. But yeah, it's a nice, it's a nicely developed stereotypical character. I mean, it's Norman Batesy in its own way. He's, he's, he's his own man, though. He's not that sinister. Um, I, I thought the actor was quite good. I thought he brought a big slapsticky vibe to it. Very good at the kind of Mr. Beanie bits, really, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just his whole performance is just just fits so well in this film. Like, um, it's... Like, when, when he's doing... Because everything is just over the top, because it's also a melodrama, and he just gets to be over the top and goofy just all the way through. And I like it. And in combination, Peter Jackson put it in some quite uh, more fun camera angles. I think this is another film we get pissed on. <laughs> um, like, we got mm. piss, piss cam. But, the, like, a lot of the shots are not just flat and straight. They're sort of, you know, coming in at an angle. They're, there's, they're used to create a more zany vibe to it. And I, his expressions work in conjunction with the way Peter Jackson has shot mm. in the set and things. So... Yeah, Peter Jackson is very much a fan of the kind of um, wide-angle lens, really close-up of your face, mm. to really get all the reactions there. Yeah, so it's exaggerated and caricature, but it, 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 that's what the whole thing is, so no, mm. I can't really lend her into it. But does he really capture the vulnerability? You know, like, it's silly. And it, and it but, it's, <laughs> but it works. Like I think he's a good protagonist to follow, and an underdog, which is nice to have when you're battling such odds—not social odds and physical peril as well. Um, so yeah, it's weird. Like so, the the first thing that kind of started to uh, annoy me, other than I'm a bit oh that's disgusting, was the what's the name of the Spanish woman at the shop again? Paquita. Paquita. So Paquita is a uh, attractive young woman who works in a convenience store, a family business thing, and she gets a tarot card reading from like a mother or grandmother or something. This incredibly wrinkled old lady, and then she has like this shit husband who's trying to eat sausage and basically heckling while the tarot reading is happening. And anyway, she gets a tarot reading, and it's your oh, you'll meet a man, and it's not the man you actually fancy; it's some other man. It'll be a tremendous love. And I think the other key part is there'll be a symbol that tells you who your love will be, and it's like a sun and... No, a star and a moon or something, isn't it? Yes. And that'll be the sign. And then she has to dismiss some... Oh, what does this card mean? Oh, nothing. It definitely isn't a horrible zombie fight that you have to <laughs> live through. I have, we'll leave that out. Bit of selective uh, tarot reading. So, at that point, she's kind of on board with this, oh, I'm going to find the love of my life. You know, and she's look so she's ready to receive, you know, the perfect man in her life, and uh, I guess unbeknownst to her, it's going to be Lionel. Mm. 
Uh, I mean, I kind of, I kind of like the atmosphere that the uh, the kind of psychic-y voodoo tarot stuff uh, adds to the film. Mm. Um, but I, I, I never, it never quite sit well. Like that was. You know, she's just kind of told like this: you have to fall in love with this man, and she kind of just accepts it rather than. She's determined to fall in love yeah. with him as well. And uh, I found that a bit a bit weird, um, I suppose. But the way it then kind of like plays out towards the end is fine. But right at the beginning, I'm just a bit like, mm, well, I'd like it to be her own decision rather than Fate. fates, if you know what I mean. Mm. I think what what bugged me is um, she's fine. She's a likable person in the story. And she potentially has this flirty thing going on with the delivery guy and he's, uh, you know, handsome in a kind of normal bloke way. And so she's told, oh, it's not him. And she sort of sees the face of the tarot cards and it looks maybe a bit, like the knight looks a bit like uh, Lionel. But Paquita is in the shop one day and he's picking up uh, some some groceries for his mum, is Lionel, and he twats over some, I think it's pencils and some licorice or something, mm-hmm. and he's about to tidy them up and she's like, Ugh. and then she notices it looks like an X and a C shape, and apparently that means that she's now not only going to fall in love with him, but she's going to be super determined, because part of the problem with him is... He's under the thumb of his mum, so whenever they go on a date or have a, you know, he gets the courage to, you know, stand up for himself and be nice, he kind of shows that he's distracted, and he's always trying to hide the fact that his mum's becoming a zombie at some point, but he's shit, and she keeps pursuing him, he goes, he hasn't given you any reason for you to like him. Like, he's kind of, he starts being nice, and then he's kind of has to go and deal with some zombies that he's got locked up, or hide the truth, which isn't a great... Uh, attribute trying to keep secrets from the person you're trying to date. So I kind of I'm a bit fucked off that she. It's not like she loves him and then he changes. He isn't great and she falls in love with him anyway because she's supposed to. That's kind of, it's such a silly thing to pick on, but it did bug me. You mm-hmm. know? I don't know. It's too much to ask from the film. <laughs> the film doesn't really care about their relationship in a true sense. It's more... You can just tell it's about the practical jokes. And it's yeah, thing, it's about tropes as well. Yeah. So they, yeah, You on, sort I mean. of have to have one in order to be doing all of the stuff that these films do. Which I get. I'm sort of hmm. on the fence about that, really. There's a bit... Although, when they're both covered in yuck later and have a kiss, I'm like, oh! <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But it, you know, it's so it's funny, but it's not it's not exactly satire. It's just exaggerated tropes. Yeah, it's just taking it's just taking it to the extreme. Mm. Everything that's true. And you know, it, it is. It doesn't spoil the film that she's her agency is misplaced. Um, but no. you know, it's a little thing. You know. Yeah, sure. So I guess uh, the crucial part is. They go. They do have a little. You know, he gets confident enough to chat her up and ask her on a date. They go to a zoo. Oh no, they go to the zoo where the horrible rat thing is going to be. And so th- to set up this uh, rat monkey, I guess is what it is. They have it. I think someone throws an apple core to a monkey or something, and the monkey's going to eat it. And then this vicious, um, just, I don't know, puppet thing, <laughs> animated <laughs> rat monster, snags not only the apple but like then it rips an arm off the monkey and starts chewing that. 
And I think um, because the mum is paranoid that Lionel is kind of seeing this woman and she's jealous, she's spying on them and somehow, I guess, she's backed up to the cage close enough so the rat thing can bite her. I don't... didn't quite... It didn't quite make sense in a you know in a literal how wait, why is she standing there and stuff like, but she's at the zoo and she gets bit that's the important bit so I, I didn't expect this was the bit I didn't expect she, like I'd expected her to be annoyed because she's a bit of a bitch horrible woman but she fucking stomps this puppet rat thing and then they've got like the toy like the model they've made has the heel and the foot go through its head and it gets so squished and the eyes pop out and blood comes out and it's like oh my god like you don't expect it to be quite because it's so it looks so fake but it's so fucking stupid how far the thing pours blood out of its head and all the reactions like there's people like gurning and going <gasps> and stuff like the guy takes a picture and it's just i was like oh well done film i didn't expect that yeah and that's what it's so, that's what the film is so great at it's 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 taking it so over the top but that you can't help but laugh like it's it's such an ambiguous feeling all the time of this is disgusting and it's also hilarious and it kind of keeps that weird feeling all the way through. If it didn't go like all the way with the stupidness of it, you'd think, oh, that's cheap and shit. Like it's one of those mm. things where if it was a serious horror film, you'd think, oh, it's so hokey and rubbish. They couldn't, nothing looked right. Everything looks silly and fake, but everything looks fake all the time. And then it goes far beyond what you'd expect of a normal, like a regular zombie film. Like things might get severed, people might get squashed or hurt and gore. But they're going. This is like <laughs> you can imagine the fun being had trying to make these disgusting models like spew blood the right way and things. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, you can tell. Like this was. It's an odd way to put it, but like this film is just a labor of love. It's just you know some insane people who love just taking it as far as they can yeah, and clearly loving it all the way an actual bit of uh, satire comes in I think after this where so the mum's bit and she's ill in the kind of classic oh I've got the zombie problem thing about to slowly happen we're kind of familiar with that trope uh, these days and so she's ill and in bed and she's getting a bit pussy and scabby and looking a bit you know like she's turning into a zombie slowly but she's got this her storyline, this horrible bitch mum. She what is it that she wants to get in with some community of like I don't know one of these like mums or communities. What is it like like a women's thing? Yeah, like it's like the WLWL. I can't remember something Wellington's something women's league. I think it is like a WI like kind of thing. Yeah. And she she is so determined to get in the good books of the people who can. Uh, I can't quite remember the specifics, but she has is having a couple of dinner guests come round to okay her getting in or whatever she's after. And okay, she, I am begging you not to be too graphic about this scene because I will throw up. Uh, I wasn't. <laughs> I, I was just explaining the fact that I thought it was funny that even though she's ill, she's determined. Like she's literally turning into a. She's dying of zombiness. And she's determined to, like, get to this, have a successful dinner with these people. And yeah, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to necessarily, I mean, you've got to watch it if you want to see the horribleness. Mm. I think the first thing, though, is how does she get, like, her face cut? Oh, like, like, this is what I'm talking about, because I've seen this so many times now. 
Uh, I'm just noticing all like the little things, the the tiny things, mm. and um, for some reason, uh, when when her guests come over, and then she realizes that oh no, I've got to throw a party, dinner party, or whatever. There's just like a moment where she like kind of jumps out of bed and straight to like the makeup uh, mirror, and I don't know. There's just something about the speed of the editing of that which had me in stitches. Um, it is funny. Yeah, it? She's gone yeah. from like a dying deathbed zombie. No, not not zombie yet, but like she's on a deathbed basically, and she's has to force herself back into action and life, and is trying to. But her body is clearly giving in, and uh, part of that is that you know her cheek, part of her skin on her cheek comes away in a disgusting slither, mm. and then it's but the, the will, but the will is so strong yeah. that she just has to get up and put makeup on. And I think I think she's put trying to put makeup on, which like slices her cheek off. Ah, right. And yeah, so Lionel is trying to glue back the skin flap, and it is just like, oh my god, I'm gonna be sick. <laughs> like it's so. Oh yeah, it happened so many times at the beginning. Like uh, just before this, you have um, a scene with him kind of prodding at her, like pulsing wound. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> be careful. We're gonna make. I I didn't want to do. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll tiptoe around Abby, but she does. She yeah. has. It's the first. This is the most disgusting bit for me because once it gets really gory and mad, you don't care. But it's the illness mm. is so much more disgusting, and so anything that's wounds or pus or anything, you're like, oh, mm. just the slow, like when you can. It's like when you get like a skin thing on, like a rip on your, thumb, but worse because it's a face and it's just oh my god. So that she's mm. falling apart literally, and we're going a bit mad. And then the, she's, both Lionel and herself are trying to hold it together while she kind of openly falls apart and is, fall, you know, ill and disgusting. Uh, and then these two, like, stupid people are there. They're like, like slightly conservative douchebags having this... What is it? Like, the most foul dinner as well. Even Not, not even gory. It's just... They're eating, like, beans and fucking spam or something. And then... Mm. And then they have, like, a dish of um, custard... Slash, <laughs> slash, pus, pustard. <laughs> As it goes on. It, you it's have in the film. to make a pun. Jamie, I'm afraid, was the one who made, who made the pun on the WhatsApp group when he was uh, talking about it. So, pustard is his to blame. I'm oh, afraid. fuck you, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, that it just you know part of the falling apart comedy is the disgusting rotting mum is uh, excreting bits that go in the food and they eat it and you go, oh my Christ Almighty. And it's like, it's funny, but it's so disgusting, you know? Like, it's such a, it's not a feeling, like you don't, it's not, ha ha ha, but also I'm going to vomit. Like, it's, it's awful. What a feeling. I think it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I like, I, I like the idea that she's determined to go on, uh, and, it, you know, it becomes unsustainable, I guess, to, you know, it gets... It gets so ridiculous that that she's so clearly bafflingly falling apart, and that these ignorant idiots aren't really noticing, or they get ushered out by Lionel eventually when it becomes too much to sort of carry on. And then part of it is, oh, I see, he isn't worried about this. He's just trying to hold everything together. Like at no point does Lionel think, I've got a bigger problem 
then my mum's a bit ill. Like he's got, he's to when it's when he's got like a load of zombies in the basement. And he's still trying to like inject them and things and keep them sedated. He's like as if he's gonna solve it somehow. <laughs> like they're not living monsters. It's at that point I was like, come on, guy, get a grip. You're not, gonna, <laughs> you're never gonna hold this together. Your mum, you know, she's your mum. You want to keep her alive and well, uh, and not ruin her life. But I don't know. It's it's at this point you start to go oh it's it's stupid land where sense isn't important isn't it? Mm. I suppose because later on there's a scene where he he has to inverted commas kill her so I suppose he still c- kind of sees them as alive for a good but, while yeah but very ill. But you know so he has to he gets a nurse doesn't he that's the first kind of victim of the mum's zombiness isn't it? Mm-hmm. So this, uh, these people. Are oh sh- yeah, but wait, yeah. Before that, like we have the scene where Paquita comes over with her dog. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he tries to stall her off, but the dog runs up, uh, and there's like a noise off, and you assume it's going to be like the dog is like eating her, like uh, attacking her or eating her, but then it's revealed that she's like swallowed the dog whole. And he has to, like, pull out the tail from her mouth. Oh, my God. <laughs> Usually when an old woman eats a dog, it's because she's preceded it by eating a cat. And, uh, and um, what's, what gets it? what's between spider and cat? Is it mouse? The mice cat? What's the mouse? Mouse, yeah. Mouse would eat a cat. A cat would eat a mouse. So, yeah. yes, that old lady who swallowed a fly and then solves her problems by becoming... Swallowing animals whole. It's huge. That's what I'd expect for dog eating. Anyway, I don't know what am I saying. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so dog death Abby, you happy? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't see it. And there's also there's the sort of not a free pass exactly. But if your film's about death or zombies or anything like that, then it is a free for all. Anything that lives could die. That's just that's just the way it is. Yeah, you kind of have to uh, enter into a zombie story. You know, it's not much of a zombie story where everyone lives. Like, that'd be the weirdest. Would it even <laughs> become a zombie story? Or does that, everyone just gets killed. How could they even be zombies? <laughs> they, they, they're all zombies, and then they're, like, saved, and they all come back to normal, and it's fine. It just it can't happen, can it? Um, yeah. Well, it can't happen anyway. But, um, yeah, so the nurse is the first uh, in-house zombie. So, basically... I guess the formula of the film is Lionel is trying to keep tabs on all the zombies that get made after his mum starts biting people. I think he saves these first two people initially. I can't 100%. But a nurse comes to see if she's to help. The mum's ill, clearly. She's Mm. falling apart. And the nurse comes and uh, she's the first bitten and attacked. And she becomes like a severed head zombie. Well, mostly her head is chopped off. Is that right? She's like dangling behind her most of the time. That's the kind of gag with her. Mm. Oh, well, it's not the only gag. How does she, how does she become partly decapitated? My memory's fuzzy because there's so many silly deaths and murders. I think the mum, like, comes from behind and just kind of rips her oh, head right. back. So it's a kind of the physics of bodies. Uh, a lot of liberties are taken in this film. You know, <laughs> yeah. so, sometimes you need sharp objects. Other times you could just sort of pull people apart. People are cartoons or putty or whatever. So. We've got that one nurse is the first turned by the mum, and we're starting to get the idea that the zombie shit's going to hit the fan. 
and then that fan is going to hit further fans covered in blood, and then more fans will be thrown at fans, and you, you know it goes a long way. But nurse, I liked the nurse zombie because she had that flappy head, and then you do a few gags with her head flopping up into place. And I think at one point she has sex with a priest zombie, and that was just like, uh... why? Why are we doing this to ourselves, guys? <laughs> like, it, like I don't know when the when the when the priest becomes a zombie, and then we you know we come back. There's more stuff between, but I thought he lived longer. Because he's cool. Mm. He's too badass I... to die so soon, isn't he? Yeah, I could have sworn he lived longer, but no. He gets all the what five minutes as actual living. And it's like the most... Well, skipping ahead, the mum eventually is pronounced dead. And they have a funeral. And the priest at the funeral, he's kind of a Father Ted-alike in many ways. Mm. <laughs> and he's this, uh, you know, minor character in the funeral. And then later on, there's like some uh, rockers that have been infected and stuff. And he... I mean, we're skipping far, far too ahead. But essentially, the priest is like the show stealer because he leaps into action when all these rockers that have uh, bullied Lionel have been turned to zombies and then he fucking kicks everyone's ass like he's Bruce Lee combined with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Jason Bourne thrown in for a bit of fun and he's like beating to death people with their arms and roundhouse kicking heads off and it's like it's insane how would you guys describe it glorious (laughs) that's a good word for it I've forgotten what he was called again the priest. But he, no, when he does that repetitive kicking, that's like someone from. Oh, Street Luke Kang or something. Yeah, so that that was pleasant. Or Chung Lee, <laughs> I don't know. Pleasant. It's amazing, and it, like his, you know, kung fu kick into scene of I kick ass for the Lord. It's just too good. It's really brilliant. I kind of go, ah, oh, who cares about Lionel? Let's have this guy fighting zombies the whole film. And then <laughs> I, like, they do. Awesome. Like they have loads of cool takedowns. This, you know, it's worth seeing for this scene. It is. This was the biggest selling point for me, and it really paid off because it was great. It was awesome seeing this priest just beat the fuck out of everyone and save Lionel from the rocker zombies. And then there's all these cool, like you know, arm rips and like his proper Mortal Kombat shit. And then the head that he's punched or kicked off comes and lands and bites him on the shoulder and turns him into a zombie. Oh no. And then at some point, he's in with the nurse zombie. And I think Nidal's going to have like a dinner party with his, his mum's there, the nurse is there, the priest. Like, like one more, maybe? <laughs> I wouldn't quite call it a dinner party. I think he's just trying to keep them fed and sedated. But yeah, well, who's the other one? There's four of them. Oh, the um, the uh, there's like four... Um, uh, rocker dudes and oh yeah, one of them um, in particular. One of them is still a zombie. Yeah, because the others were all sort of ripped apart, but one of them is, I guess, because at because that he's... point he still has his, all his limbs. Yeah, mm. but not for yeah, long. Yeah, because he's, yeah, he's still on. alive because he like impales the priest on a, an angel statue through the arm. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> Some of it is like, oh, there's no point to describe it because it's just, you've got to watch some of these mm. stunts and scenes play out because they're so dopey but awesome. But yeah, the, 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 so that's the kind of. F- there's the four zombies basically that Lionel's keeping in the basement or in the house, and he's. And uh, I think he contacts like a Nazi doctor at some point. To get yeah, that was, that was a bit I didn't remember. Like, I remember he goes to like a to a weird zookeeper to get the tranquilizer, but I forgot he was like a weird 
Nazi person. With with the tiniest hint of a moustache. He's got like, a, I've missed a bit shaving on his lip. But otherwise he's like a bald glasses wearing, like, uh, you know, vet zoo thing. And yeah, they have a, it's, it's lab coat tears and he's like got a swastika under there. And you go, I'm like, what? What's the joke here? Like, it was Nazi. Ha <laughs> yeah. ha! It's a Nazi. Right. Okay. He still just yeah, got, just... you know, sedation stuff, like horse tranks or whatever it fucking was. Yeah. It is just a kind of like a, a scene which is a means to the end. And it's like, well, we, we might as well throw some joke in. Um, but it's probably one of the weaker ones that hasn't aged great. It's just sort of why. Like, it doesn't. Mm. It's not like there's a maniacal Nazi subplot or something. It's just wacky doctor. Although props, I suppose, for even throwing Nazis into this ridiculous film, just to add to the ridiculous. Another tick box of comedy Mm. silliness. Yeah, but I think the... So, Lionel's trying to keep all these people who've become ill (laughs) under wraps, either locked tied in the basement because they're dangerous and fighting and trying to kill him. uh, But he's trying to sedate them so that they're less angry and violent. And he's, I think he's trying to feed them, and they're you know they're incapable, mindless zombies, gushing food mm-hmm. out of their mouths and necks, and can't eat. And he's trying to force it all to be happy families and normal, more or less. And, he, and then his girlfriend turns up again, and he's he's like clo- the doors closed, and there's this hideous, like sex violence noise going on, and it's like oh, oh no, that's his uh, his uncle who was kind of turned oh, up. Oh right, yeah. Oh, he was uh, to kind of steal the inheritance away from him. Yeah, this is that's a, we'll come to this mm. business because it's more uh, towards the end of the film where he's important, I suppose. But yeah, the, the just what, the re- priest and the nurse zombies are having sex, but also eating their own faces off or something. Mm-hmm. And I just don't need zombies having sex in my life. <laughs> I don't know. See, I think this is my favorite little scene of the film just because it's so full of uh just comedy beats just it's it's just creatively disgustingly funny uh like there's all the little things like you know um the guy puts the spoon through his the back of his mouth and then another one eats the stuff on the spoon that's come out yeah um the the the, the nurse has to be fed by bringing her head back and feeding her like through her throat tube. I don't know. I think it's for me. Like this scene just is like a small two minutes of perfect kind of like slapstick comedy and disgusting, funny gore. Yeah, but you know, someone bite rip. It was comedy when someone like say uh, the priest getting his lips ripped, stretched off and ripped off, and then exposing his like teeth and. They become more haggard and they're awful and vile. And I go, yeah, it's funny, but also stop, <laughs> stop showing me this now. I don't know. I, I, it is insane, and that's when it's it's ratcheted up another thing. Then it's like, okay, we're on board, we get it. It's going to be this now, and you're starting to, you know, get ready and expecting that. Uh, oh, I see what this film's going to be like. It's going to be this madness. I wonder what's going to happen next, and you're kind of wondering. You're kind of looking forward to the next scene of horribleness in a way, because it's not just realistic horribleness. It's, it's properly, oh, that's like, you know, a comic book character doing something, isn't it? So, 
I admire the creativity and the mm. boldness of it, but it's still disgusting and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's slightly in bad taste, but mostly just ludicrous. So I guess it gets a pass. Slightly in bad taste. Oh, but it, it, you know, it's not truly offensive. It's just horrible. Mm, okay. I, just, I mean, there's already made bad taste. That's a whole different film again. So. <laughs> That's true. Uh, where are we at here? So we, he's Lionel's sedating everyone. Although I didn't realise that um, needle comedy, <laughs> injection comedy, was a thing. So many face and just en- just the number of times they go to the jamming a needle in someone's eye or face or stabbing people with syringes. I was like, fu- like fucking hell. Mm. <laughs> like once it's like terrifying and funny. And then all the time with the fucking sedating these zombies. Did you find this hilarious, Abby? Come on, Abby, let's let's hear from you a bit. What specifically the the whatever you want, I guess. Oh, if if you say that's lame, but everything else was marvelous, you just express what you want. I'm just quickly checking my notes. I can't say if there's much about that kind of thing till we get to punch the baby, but. Go on. Did we mentioned that he got given a protective necklace. Have we? Oh, no, we didn't we... mention oh, no, that. Yeah. It's something to do with the. Is it something to do with the? the... Where did the necklace come from? It's oh, given right. by the grandmother mm. to protect I have and save the day. Slightly, I did make a note that I really liked his homemade armor. That was <laughs> like cricket pads and a helmet, and he put on a couple of other things as well that were immediately useless. As soon as he's in there, they're like, ah! Hmm. But, yeah, it's... Anyone who has a fear of needles is going to be fucked during that whole... <laughs> it's like, it's the, your worst nightmare when you have to go to have, like, an injection in the hospital. It's like, oh my god, you sort of, if you're frightened of needles, it's, oh, what if they slip and jam it in my eye? Oh my god, you know. It's properly it's foul and stuff. Have we mentioned his flashbacks yet? Flashbacks to... When he's thinking about the water. I haven't mentioned it. I don't know what you want to say. Well, it's just... It was one of the more intriguing parts about it was when he would occasionally have these flashbacks and episodes about water and being underwater. And then it turned out that his mum had drowned his dad's and his dad's lover. Mm. And it was just so strange that they put in that extra bit of story. story. It was enough that she was a bitch. Uh, (laughs) For this this kind of slapstick comedy, you think, do we need a story about how she's actually... Like, the mum was a sinister woman who... Like, her husband cheated on her with someone and she drowned them in the water and he, he, as a child, saw... And I go, oh, it's okay that she's become a monster and we're trying to kill her. And you go, I don't think we need any justification. She's a zombie. Done. You can kill her now. She's horrible at a zombie. That's enough. You don't need to have some kind of twisted backstory to make it sort of... I don't know if it's there to justify things or to just, again, play with tropes of serial killers and horror and things, you know? Hmm. What did you make of this think- thing? I think I think it's I think it's there to kind of seal the deal, if you know what I mean. Because there there is a point where you kind of do feel sorry for the mother because she's in such a bad state and you're like, Oh geez, that's 
kind of not funny, while it is funny at the same time. So, um, plus then it kind of um, distinguishes her apart from all the other zombies because she's she becomes like the giant disgusting thing at the end which sets her apart from the rest. So that kind of gives her somewhat of a reason to do that because maybe she's just a more terrible being than the rest. Yeah, but it's not like a rat monkey is intrinsically evil. There's nothing to tie it to being Mm. some sort of devil monster. It's just, it's a bastard. (laughs) I don't know. It's a mixed bag of concepts in a way. I don't know, but I think, yeah, it is to highlight her as more important. And and the other thing is, I can't believe we glossed over it because we wanted to talk about the priest, but when she has, when they actually just try and have the funeral for her, they have that whole embalming fluid practical effect. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's just, I mean, you know, it's... That may have been the most ridiculous bit of the whole film. I don't know. I don't know. It was the most what the fuck. It was like, what are we doing, yeah. guys? Like, just <laughs> embalming fluid bursting from eyeballs and all of the disgusting part. And it's just... I mean, there's there's morbid humour, and then there's... This is borderline the work of a serial killer. Peter, Peter Jackson's not a well man. Why did he want to do this? What happened to him? <laughs> like, you know? How did he go on to just produce a... You know, series of successful blockbuster movies. When he, the first films he wanted to make were old women who were dead, pulsating with embalming fluid and blood and pus. And I mean, what the fuck are we doing? And it goes on and on. It's crazy. It's like really like packs in all this nonsense. But it, it is varied. Like mm. that's the thing I I admired the most. Really, is the fact. The fact that we just got oh that's a cool idea for a gag and a, a death and a you know it's just fucking so many ideas and they you know it, it they ha- I can't think that they've been done that often the odd thing happens here and there that's reminiscent of some other film or some other medium but mostly they're unique gags that only really could be in this film. Hmm, that's the thing. It's sort of like you could tell that they had a collection of ideas. Like, good ideas that they wanted to do, and then they had to weave them together somehow. And it's in the bits where they have to weave from one bit to another that it gets a bit ropey. Yeah. And it's sort of, like, I don't know if it really could have been avoided either, because it's the set pieces that are the strengths. Yeah, it's like they built to a crescendo as well. Like, it doesn't... It, it's kind of like a, a, a slow build of gore. So every time you think, oh my god, that's the worst and funniest mm. thing I've ever seen... They slam in another thing, and it just it tops itself ne- consistently nearly all the time. I mean, a few of them might be on the same level of silliness or gore or whatever, but they're all so surprising, and it does towards the end. It is just like you can't believe how much wall-to-wall zombie madness and death there is, and so like there's you know a few contrivances to get there. I guess is what you're saying, Abby, isn't it? Like mm. particularly, I suppose the uncle figure, right? That's the one we mentioned briefly. Uh, he's got this like toupee wearing fat uncle prick that turns up out of nowhere kind of and is trying to inherit the house after the funeral. Is that right? Or he wants to get in on, you know, something or other. Could yeah, he... he wants he wants something. He's like uh he turns up uh one day and he's heavily hinting that he should have been in the will and seeing like what he can get out of him. 
And then uh, later on, he's the one who kind of discovers the bodies and uses them to blackmail Lionel into giving him all of his wealth. Yeah, what does Lionel think is going to happen if his uncle tells everyone? I guess he can't save them anymore or something? Mm-mm. I it it does kind of work because, like I said before, he Lionel still kind of sees them as alive, um, but ill. Yeah. Uh, so you could argue that he's uh, stopping them, and at that point they seem dead as well. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It, it kind of works because it's like, well, what would you do? It's like, you know. Yeah, you, like, can, you can tell people the truth, but then they're going to think you're insane. Yeah, and you want to try and keep it under wraps so it doesn't spread worse, perhaps as well. And, you know, he's got a lot. He's got a lot on his plate, Lionel. He's trying to keep all these pe- zombies in his basement. He's trying to seduce a lady. He's got his mum's house that may or may not be in jeopardy now because his uncle's turned up wanting to like blackmail him. So he's got bigger problems than worrying about whether he keeps the house or not. I suppose. Um, but it's a it's a weird character to add into the mix. And then the uncle does secure the house and then instantly invites a party of people around. And, you know, it's it's a contrivance to have loads of people who are going to get zombie-bitten and have a big old fight in Arjibar. It becomes like the the house is then 100% of the location for a big zombie uh, climax. Uh, but, actually, speaking of climaxes, let's go back. That zombie sex that I found so repugnant... <laughs> It was also crucial to another character in the film, wasn't it? It wouldn't be a horrible horror comedy without a kind of disgusting demonic baby. And of course, when two zombies have sex, they have a sped-up pregnancy period while one of them gets pregnant, and then a hideous demon baby is born. And that can then provide further slapstick for uh, for Lionel in the... Like, he takes him in a pram to the park... And then, like, he ends up like punching and fighting the baby in a bag, and it's running around causing terror, and cyclists get injured and laughing hideously at them. Does anyone want to describe this little gem of a child? Yeah. This section was <laughs> fucking hilarious, <laughs> but it does, they, what we had to go through to get there was dumb as fuck. <laughs> Apparently, um, this scene wasn't going to be in the film, but it came to like the end of filming, and they had like uh, fifty grand left and two days spare, and then they decided to make this this whole baby in the park scene. And it does. Uh, there is a little bit of this doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the film, because people see him kind of like beating up a baby essentially, and then don't really think much of it yeah uh which is a bit odd but like abby says the whole thing is just so ridiculous and hilarious and and when you think about it like this whole thing like the whole baby zombie should should have been like the kind of oh they're, they're jumping the shark now kind oh, of it thing. should be but it, it by no means is the shark know, exactly. the shark is jumped then some dolphins are jumped then a killer whale <laughs> then a sperm whale is jumped and then they invent new types of animal to jump over as well on jet skis it's crazy yeah and then throughout the film they just they just somehow managed to keep it just little enough where it still remains funny and ridiculous rather than being just stupid 
Yeah, I mean, essentially, when the the r- r- rapidly impregnated, I don't know, the child is born because we want to put the child bullshit in there. Uh, so this zombie, you know, shits out this disgusting little Chucky esque baby, and it's occasionally it's a doll, and occasionally it's like a tidy person in a mask, and they sort of get around different angles and shots with different techniques. But essentially, it's just a silly masked small person running around pretending to be a baby and then you know like a prop or something that Lionel has to contend with and it's like malicious and zombie like but it's it's kind of it's got a sense of humor rather it's not it's like it laughs and it's not like the mm. brain dead zombies uh it's it's more of a sort of demonic possessed thing it's not possessed but it's like just mad i don't know it doesn't seem to be rotting it's just a kind of ginger headed bald ish Sort of like strange yeah. baby. I don't know. It has it has different rules to the rest of the zombies. And I, what I found a bit objectionable is I think you're meant to be a little bit on side with the baby. Like when it the baby is killing people, particularly this stupid uncle. I think he's after him anyway. And you, I think you're meant to want the baby to win. And I was like, no, kill it straight away. Kill mm. the horrible thing. I don't want to look at it anymore. I didn't think like yeah I'm not I wasn't at any point rooting for it and I felt like Peter Jackson was rooting for it and so at the certain uh, face-offs the baby has with either the party goers or the uncle or not, uh, Lionel I feel like you're meant to be like yeah the baby got got one up on them or you know doing something fun and I was like nah <laughs> fuck it stick him in a blender definitely <laughs> yeah um, where do we is there a, a, a any big section before the big party that becomes a zombie kind of fight? Um, only the bit where he kind of has to kill, uh, inverted commas, kill the zombies and bury them with Paquita. Go on. But uh, that's more for the kind of setup later. I mean, there's, there's nothing much to that scene. But then we find out instead of like giving them poison, he's given them like animal stimulants. Hilarious. So they just kind of like burst out of the ground. Yeah. All hype, hyped up zombies. At, at some point uh, in his pursuit of Paquita, Lionel gets beaten up by the other love interest of her, this delivery guy. I forget how he... It's like a sort of sub part of it. But it's not a big deal because it's mainly focused on zombie madness. Mm. Just like... Uh, I think Lionel tries to explain his behaviour. Why he's been mad. Um, Because he's having to try and keep madness uh, curtailed. Go on, sorry. And and then that kind of looks like he's having a fight or being rough with Paquita, and then, like, the delivery guy sees it and calls him a freak contestant McGoy. Yeah, shoves him or something. But I don't know, like, the the love... Everything... Is fighting for your attention, but the main thing is the zombie silliness. So everything sort of is subservient to where we're going with this, which is okay. Now we've got loads of people; they're all going to slowly be bitten and have turn into zombies and panic. Go from like a 1950s swinging party to a blood fest, a bloody gore fest, and you know it breaks down into many different rooms. There's plenty of window smashing in this film, and door knocking through and wall breaking and you could, they definitely got their money's worth of uh, glass breaks along with blood everywhere like I felt I felt it felt good to have some you know physical breaks rather than just body parts snapping off or 
being severed or sliced into or you know they are you know having any number of things happen to people's bodies and limbs but i did appreciate a bit of stunt work with like walls and doors and windows and and shit as well that's pretty good right hmm. yeah of course yeah it just it just that goes all out then in like this the final scene and it literally throws everything it can into it yeah, if we, I think we could just mention a few bits to give a flavour mm. of the stuff, because you're never going to remember all of it. There's like, the st- stuff that comes to mind and stands out for me is there's one of the girls in the party gets like a light bulb through the back of the head once she's a zombie, and she's like electrocuted and has like a light up head, and then later on comes back to life slightly. So the light bulb thing was kind of mad, and someone gets punched through the head. Uh, there's lots of like comedy bits, body parts come off and get jammed into other body parts. I think the rocker from earlier, he breaks up probably the most. Like he's jammed in a toilet at one point and he's, he's, he's after his body, he's lost his legs and his legs are wandering around. And so he's caught in a toilet and then eventually he's like even, like one of them is joined up with his body again, missing the torso. And then I think one of them becomes basically lungs and, in, and a spinal cord and intestines and that's wreaking mm. more havoc lungs. than it right he's technically attacking him from two sides so there's you know copy leg boy and uh dangling <laughs> giblets to worry about <laughs> so i think the, the rocker you know gets a lot of different body parts to be in various fights what are the ones do you mm. guys what stands out for you guys um there's like the scene where like the zombie with a gnome in his head is being mangled and like all of his just guts just like, coming out of his like neck hole. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Classic uh, weapon. That's a good that's a unique weapon for a zombie fight, isn't it? And often do you get a zombie film with gnomes in being used. It's good work. Mm. Uh there's that um uh maybe going a bit too far, but uh, at some point the um the uncle gets his comeuppance from the mother, yeah, and he's kind of weird. He's like his spine is pulled out through his back, but it's still attached. And then you have his like head just kind of like flopping around. Finish him. It's very Mortal Kombat-y, Some of these deaths. Mm. Rib Kid is definitely put, pulled out at some of someone at some point. Yeah, there's, there's a the guy head... who gets oh, his yeah his, yeah his head severed like at the nose and it's being kicked around the floor everywhere. Does that go in the blender? Something goes in the blender. I think it's his. Yeah, head. he goes in the blender. Uh, pretty much everything goes in the blender at some point. <laughs> well, so I feel like there's more like kitchen props and things, and there's definitely wall bursts and just crushing kills, and you know I think a few people dangle and splat into stuff and. There's a guy who loses all of the flesh from his legs but keeps his shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Someone definitely gets like all their skin ripped off their face as well. It's just like their oh, yeah, skull. Yeah, there's a heap of them. And it's just like it's everywhere. And uh, Some of the party members haven't been bit yet, so they're fighting off. There's a woman with glasses who does a lot of fighting for a while before she's probably murdered. And I th- you know, there's a, you know implements are used and various comedy violence ensues pretty much everywhere, and it's the ones that are like, oh my god, like what the, like some of them, it's like I can't even believe you imagined something like this, like <laughs> yeah. like putting a body part in a blender is not that mad, but when you've got like, at some point I think Lionel is swinging from the intestine monster, 
and is trying to save Paquita from being like killed by a horde of gnawing zombies. And he has to swing across, and he like pulls the guy loose, and he just splatters into liquid on the floor. And so you got a man dangling from intestines. You're like, how did we get here? Like, <laughs> so many things happen. It's like a, a buffet of madness. That is probably the one criticism I have for this last scene is just there is just so much going on like you can't quite take it all in the goal kind of becomes meaningless as well mm. like you stop being the... frightened and it's more about how stupid a thing can happen next yeah by the point that uh, the lawnmower is introduced uh, like that whole scene where he's just kind of like tearing through all the zombies with the lawnmower yeah, cause I think early, like it's they... it's wonderful. Like the first time you see it, it's just wow. Um, but it it's it's a rather long scene. It, well, for me, uh, and it was coming because it was one of the talking points before, when I was told, "Oh, Rich, you should watch it." The, like the lawnmower thing's great. And then mm. like, we see we see the setup early on, like his mum's basically making cut the grass when she's fine, um, and it's being cut, and he's having to cut it again because she's so worried about keeping up appearances with these people visiting and then so he has the brainwave of like oh, of course i can get the lawnmower going and like run in and blitz all of these zombies and it goes on and on and it's it's ludicrous and there's it's like wall-to-wall liquid redness everywhere just blood everywhere gore and bits of flying and it's all like cartoon madness but after a while you get kind of like fatigued from all of it yeah there yeah there is a slight sense of that in this scene definitely uh, but I get it because that's the only place it can go, and you and someone had to go there. It would be weird if a film had never done something this silly and mad. So I kind of think, well, someone had to do it, and you've done it, and I can't believe how far you got. Uh, you know, it's it's mad that all this stuff unfolds, and it's quite funny most of the time. And it did it stopped being oh that's disgusting and started being just a joke. Like because when it in the in betweeny bit, I was more freaked out by illness and pus and eating things than I was by a horde of zombies biting and tearing. Because at that point you're like, oh, I don't care anymore. It means nothing. Mm. It's just redness. And so it stopped being scary. And then it goes, right, we've done this zombie uh, massacre with a lawnmower and it's like slippy blood floor and walls and he's in a room full of corpses and he saved his girl. Where do we go now? And the answer to that question is absolutely disgusting and mad. <laughs> what words are there to describe the hideous harpy tit beast that is <laughs> all, that is unleashed upon the film? Like somehow the mum makes a comeback, but not as like, oh a really horrid zombie or a skeleton. She is a giant belly boob monster with a broken up old lady face. Just a hideous what like John Carpenter esque monster? Like, what would you? What words are there to describe the thing she is? I, I, I can't do it better than you described it. Like, what do you say? Just gigantic, naked, disgusting mother boobs. Boobs. <laughs> What's to say? And the fact that. Um, Part of her, I get, and she's like a boss at the end. Like, literally, she mm. bursts out the top of the house and is this hideous mess of a monster. I don't really follow the logic. I guess she's so full of 
animal potions and poisons and I don't know. She's gone rogue and has gone full like mental monster. And like maybe this is where like the kind of overall zombie metaphor comes in or at least they try and get it in there by making her like the definitive zombie because really she is the actual problem in Lionel life. What bugs me is she can talk again. All right. <laughs> is there a psychological aspect to this? Did it even happen? Did he just have a full-on breakdown and there is no corpses and blood? I think the answer Ooh. is there. I think the answer is there is, <laughs> and it was everywhere, and it, and they, you know, but it, like she, she, t- so this fat, titted, ugly monster old lady on the roof of this house, but you know, is trying to get them. And she's got really long, disgusting, scratchy fingers or something as well, on top of all the other bits. She's like a flesh JCB has come to life. And her stomach kind of tears <laughs> open, and she sort of splits in two as if to try and eat him entirely, like she's some kind of unbelievable demonic mess. And he's being devoured, and what's the killing blow? Is it the special necklace that was barely justified is used in some way? Yeah, pretty much. She just She just starts to look a bit ill and then I think her face starts falling off again and yeah and like he bursts out of her stomach like um fist first clasping the uh (laughs) clasping the um the star pendant thing yeah so is this the idea is he's finally shook off the evil clutches of his mum literally bursting Mm. free from her stomach and is now uh, his own man and can walk off into the the sunset with his girl and be happy because that's basically what happens is they defeat the monster having killed nearly all of the, the town's worth of people and uh, I guess just leaving the house covered in blood uh, and just like oh that's fine and I think there's even like a joke about how crap the pendant is like does it like they just disregard it at the end as well oh, it's just, fuck it it's not even important it was just you know was that I think that was more reason? symbolic of he doesn't need protecting from her anymore. Ah, because mm. she's a bloody gory... Well, I didn't think she needed... Once she's dead, you'd think it would be over, but no. I don't know. It's. A, I mean, what else do you do? You have to kind of wrap it up. There's no point prolonging it now. But, uh, yeah, it does. They just walk off and that's it. They No more... I don't know. Does the, like a cleaned-up crew come around? Does the government find out they were zombies? <laughs> does he get arrested for being a serial killer? Aren't there repercussions of this house of madness? Mm. I suppose there's a slight suggestion that everything's going to be burnt and no one's really going to know what's, what happened. Um, oh, so, so the firemen... In, in, that, in that way, it's kind of concluded. Uh, but yes, like you, you would think there are a few questions to be answered at the end. I, like, I guess maybe the fire department comes and investigates and the only way they can explain it is, oh, it must have been an electrical fire. <laughs> <laughs> the pa- and a party of people were mutilated and burnt uh, alive. It's fi- <laughs> it's probably fine. You just pay off the the insurance uh, or fire detective or whatever. Like whatever, whoever the police, whoever looks into this, is going to be hushed up, I guess. Or oh, well, we don't know. It could all go. He could go to jail after the film ends. I don't know. The I, point I, is, does it matter? We've come to the end. There's no more gore. Let's just finish and. It's, yeah, and and it still throws in that one more uh, 
by having them kiss when they're all covered in like zombie guts. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, disgusting hemorrhoid cherry on the cake of vile comedy madness. Um, so yeah, yeah, just finish at that point. There's no going on. So yeah, you don't need to. It's not the kind of film that cares that much with logic and sense. Mm. from the get-go, so why would it suddenly be like, well, we have to have a nice, neat, and tidy ending? It just goes, it's just, oh, we're done. You can close your agape mouth now at what you've just seen and start <laughs> to digest, like, what the fuck does I just watch? And so that, you know, that's very much, you leave going, oh, it's an experience. It's very much a bloody fuck, <laughs> you know? Like, what the <laughs> hell was that? And you just think back, what was that bit and that bit and all this bit? I didn't expect that madness and it, you know it is funny but for 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 every aspect of how hilarious it is it matches it with vileness it's mm. so so awful and appalling but then it's stupid that's where oh, it's such a weird combination it, i don't know it's like mixing pus and custard it's like foul and <laughs> pleasant but does that spoil the custard or can you somehow stomach it i don't know I think it's probably safe to say this film isn't for everyone. (laughs) I don't think it was for me. And I think it'll lead into my metaphor. My metaphor for this would be the film reminds me of, like, the during the Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah. I swear you bring up those Garbage Pail Kids often. (laughs) Well, before Brain Dead, they were the first things to traumatise me with this level of gore. Well, the garbage bill kids, those they were like collectible stickers that became a terrible film, I think. And but they like just those horrible, gory, disgusting baby stickers or cartoons or whatever. Mm. That are that each one is a challenge in disgustingness. They either have loads of spots or they're covered in filth or they're just they just like got spaghetti coming out their nose or the snobs. Like they're all the goriest, childish little gruesome images you could imagine with little chubby Cabbage Patch Kid style babies. And for me those stickers are, are memorable, but they're funny and disgusting. And this is funny, disgusting but somewhat disposable. Like, the, the Garbage Pail Kids are somewhat disposable. They weren't you know, treasured cultural icons but they were memorable and a horrible combination of uh, comedy-ness and uh, gore and vileness so you know that's and you people collect them you know they loved and cherished some people love the garbage bill kids and i for one i remember them but i think of them with disdain most of the time and i, I don't know i think this film uh i wasn't it wasn't for me it just so it was just because of the unpleasantness the comedy is tainted i guess that's what i'm saying like i prefer my laughs to come without making me think about such vile things, you know? <laughs> so, I don't know. It wasn't, wasn't for me, but I admit, it was bloody creative, and there's so many ideas and concepts jammed in. I mean, like the Garbage Pill Kids, there's some funny ideas. But, uh, yeah. Credit is due to my Peter Jackson for being, like, a visionary and being mm-hmm. creative, but fuck me, uh, I don't, don't want to see it again. And for somehow coming in under budget on this film, which has so many practical effects, it's ridiculous. Just a number of mops and buckets you'd need to tidy up the set. 
Apparently, uh, in the lawnmower scene alone, there was 300 litres of uh, fake blood used. Yeah, it's, he threw everything he could into this film, and it shows. It's definitely a passion project. And uh, I just don't share that passion. Mm. It's really, like, it is a remarkable film, I'll say that. What about you, Abby? Um, you know, what was your final thoughts on this? It is very much, like, when it's good, it's very good. When it's bad, I want to be sick. <laughs> so it's, like, mm. <laughs> but then, But then you could argue that's exactly what was intended. Mm. But then that's not what I want. Yeah. I want to laugh and not be sick. I don't know, I feel like my metaphor is going to be something like a theme park, I think, where, like, a good... A large proportion of the stuff I'm going to like, but then there's that one roller coaster that I will never go on because it just goes straight up, lingers at the top, and it goes straight down again. Oh, was it? It's the one in Oakwood. Bounce. Got Bounce to the top. Goes up and down. Mm. Yeah. Burst into tears. Came back down again. <sighs> never going to do that again. So it's like <laughs> a theme park for me where I just wish that I could only see and participate in certain parts, but that's not how it works. Yeah, I think maybe you and I, Abby, in terms of horror gore anyway, we're a little bit more pussy puss. Because it is silly. I mean, I've seen films that are more graphically realistic and therefore more, like, nightmarish. So, you know, it doesn't... It isn't the kind of vivid imagery that it will haunt you the rest of your days. It's just ludicrous and a bit disgusting. But, you know, I guess some people like a roller coaster and others are like, I'll stick with the bags, it's fine. I'll go on Nutty Jake's Goldmine. Oh, excuse oh, me. Charming. Mm. I'll go on Nutty Jake's Goldmine instead. That's more my jam. That's not there anymore. Gutted. Anyway, no. let's not let's not go down into the um, theme park rides of old that don't exist anymore. Uh, Anthony, you put this forward. I think if Jamie had I been did. here, if, I think if Jamie had been here, you might have had someone more you know, in favour of this film. Mm. I think we're misrepresenting it, because I think most people would enjoy it because it's so mad, and, but me and Abby are like, mm. but obviously you like it, but what, you know, what do you want to say in summation? Um, just that I, I do, I really like, I, I love the film, in fact, um, for so many reasons. Like, um, Watching it like this time, I was really interested in all the like the little details, and I found myself scanning everything, and just be like, "Ooh, yeah, they'd have to, they'd have to find stuff," um, and just really analysing it and trying to work out how they did things. Um, so that was my experience this time. The like I said, the first time I saw it, I was like fourteen, fifteen, um, and this film totally blew my mind. It's the right um, age for this film as well. That's the right sort of demographic, I would say. And uh, I, for me, it's more about the comedy than the gore. Um, and I'm watching it again. It just, I, I was just, I just respected the amount of, like, the tone of comedy that they managed to keep all the way throughout. Very, very consistent. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's kind of a masterclass in kind of like slapstick comedy, um, and creative use of practical effects. There's so many 
fun ways to film things in a practical way. It's like a workshop on ways to achieve things with physical props and makeup and special, you know, props mm. and things. And that's kind of lost these days, like in cinema. Cinema is very much uh, glossy um, and a bit more serious these days. And it's kind of lost that kind of goofy over the top yeah that that this film kind of epitomizes um uh, so yeah like uh, but i can totally understand why you guys would be turned off by it i'll definitely watch a sequel or a prequel about a kick-ass priest who fights <laughs> uh either zombies or rockers who aren't zombies just a fucking priest kicking everyone's ass i could definitely go for that but yeah, this film definitely like just stands on the top of the pile of like if you love gore, if you love comedy, if you love horror, it's like you need to watch this film. If you, it would be in a good box set with something like Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland. I think it's that right mix of comedy and mm. zombie tropes. Yeah, and you can see its influence like um, on certain. Um, Horror films, like you said, like Shaun of the Dead, I think definitely takes some influence from this. Um, as well as some of the more serious, I suppose, stuff that that allowed other things to go further, uh, it I, will. I would take this film over some of the Hobbit movies, though, definitely. Mm. Like, this is more my bag than watching silly CGI idiots jumping on barrels in a river, you know, like... And also just some of the plotting of those three terrible films. So I think Peter Jackson had, you know... This is more fun and, ex- and excess... Not accessible, it's it's, it's... it's it's more joyful than any of the Hobbit movies were for me, anyway. Mm. Even though it's fine. Uh, yeah, same, same here, actually. Um... So um, as a metaphor, I kind of liked Abby's roller coaster uh, theme park one, mm. but I'm coming in and I love, you know, the theme park and I can go on the big ride as much as I can and still love it. We've lost you for the day. Mm. It's like me and Richard are sitting somewhere having some chips and you're just on it for the fifth time going round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you got a roller coaster that's more like? A seventies movie, please. <laughs> Less scary, more I don't know, chauvinistic, and <laughs> I don't know. It's just I just I, there are things in roll up in theme parks I like, but I, mm. you know there are some where I'm like, oh fuck that. I like, got anyway, you. You love theme parks. You love this film. Yeah, it's the a perfect storm of all the things that's in it just coming together, and yeah. You, you step off the roller coaster. It was thrilling. You feel a bit sick, and then you go around again because mm, you really enjoyed it. Really, mm. I think that's fair. I think that's uh, a good way to end the podcast as well. So uh, I don't, we didn't use our complimentary sick bags um, that <laughs> apparently came with the film when you got it. Uh, maybe next time. I've not. I've yet to actually be sick in a podcast. Abby, you dared to suggest you might if I describe anything more graphically. It's partly because I've got a headache. Like, I'm already feeling a bit nauseous from headache. If you start describing some of the stuff that happens in this film, I will hurl. Yeah. Well, good. (laughs) 
Uh, bye for now, then. Bye! Zombout.